Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And we are back on a Blue Monday with Larry Bluestein's longtime South Florida reporter. Thanks for joining me today, Larry. Oh, anytime, Marcus. You know that. It's uh, a lot, lot going on. Uh, you know, spring football is right around the corner. You finish up on basketball. You got wrestling. You got camps. You got seven on sevens. Yeah, combines, and I kind of brings me back to what somebody told me a couple of years ago, about ten years ago. They go after the season was over in December. They go, oh, now you got your easy part. <laughs> As you know, it's it's nowhere e- near easy, especially the off season. In many cases, um, is busier than the regular season because you know the the regular season you have your games on Thursday, Friday. And then the rest of the week is just regular practices. Now you got to kind of worry about the NILs, the transfer portals, the uh, high school recruiting. Yeah. Uh, now there's a the, something on the table about high school football players getting paid under the NIL, yeah. which is not a very uh, happy topic for co- high school coaches right now. So, and then seven on sevens, which. A lot of people, I mean, I, I try to go to as many as possible. I'm not a big, you know, I don't follow the circuit around, you know, because I see a lot of the kids. And then the Under Armour Rivals, which is coming up in April uh, for the, the Combine. And you know as well as I do, because you've been around for a while, that a lot of these things become redundant because a lot of these kids go to the same things and, you know, and obviously in your case and then, um, you know, uh, uh, everyone else, you know, whether it be uh 24 seven or on three, everybody wants to showcase the four and five stars. So it's um, yeah, it's a cycle, but uh, something that, that I enjoy it beats the alternative and getting an opportunity to go to a lot of events uh, kind of makes my weekend. You know, and it's 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 a good time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the football season it never stops for us. No. Uh, seven on seven no. camp. We got the UA camp coming up this weekend. Yeah, me, I'm also covering basketball, baseball. Um, you know, it's it, it's a fun time for me because you got sure. all these sports, pretty much um, major sports, pretty much kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. No uh, doubt. But in addition to seven on seven camps and and you know all this other off season stuff. There's also a coaching carousel thing that that kind of happens, right? Like coaches find new jobs, uh, players find new teams. Uh, but with the Miami Hurricanes, uh, they lost their cornerbacks coach with uh, Jamil Adai going to the Buffalo Bills. Happy for him. Great coach while he was here. Recruited sure. some great players. Uh, developed some great players as well. Darren Porter Jr. I think is developing into one of the best corners in the country, um, yeah. and not, not only just the conference, um, but Miami went ahead and hired Chevis Jackson, familiar with Lance Gidry over at Marshall. Uh, he's a guy, Alabama guy, uh, you know, went to LSU, um, made some stops at different places, uh, as Kansas as being one of them. What do you think about the hire, and do you think it was the right move for the Miami Hurricanes? I do. I think, uh, you know, like you said, the familiarity with working um, 
with the a defensive coordinator who's trying to, you know, keep this defense and trying to get this defense going, I think it's one last thing to worry about uh, when you look at Coach Gidry because of the fact that he knows somebody who's on the same page as him and has worked with him, you know, although it wasn't extensive time, but it was long enough where, you know, uh, when this position became available that I'm sure that, uh, Mario Cristobal sat down with him and said, is there anybody that you have in mind? Which really good coaches do all the time. You know, that's how it's done. It's not like, uh, you know, things are done by, you know, committee. Even though you have a head coach, you, you know, you certainly want to make your, make everybody else feel comfortable. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's uh, like you said, it's somebody who, who knows the game has been around. He's coached some really, really good, uh, you know, people in the past that whether it be Marshall, as you said, he comes out of LSU and he's got a, a good, good sense of the game. Yeah. I, I think he'll just kind of pick up where a die has left off as far as developing players. Right. I think he, Probably needs to kind of get his feet wet and as far as recruiting uh, the area and, you know, recruiting not only Florida or South Florida, but, you know, Georgia and Alabama, uh, those those area, areas, I think, are some areas that he'll have to establish his footprint in uh, just sure. like just like uh, Jamil Adai did. Uh, I think he needs to focus on a couple of guys uh, in particular and Chris Ewald. You know, uh, as far as recruiting him to the University of Miami, and then, um, you know, I'm sure he'll have a say as, as far as DJ Pickett's concerned that he was hired as the cornerbacks coach. But I'll, I'll, we all know that, you know, cornerbacks, safeties, uh, coaches are very interchangeable or whatnot. Sure. So that'll be the challenge for him. And I think he's up for it. And I think that's the right move for the Miami Hurricanes. Great situation for him, you know, coming in and, you know, having a lot of, you see, here's the thing. If you come in with a, a secondary that's totally established and you're going, oh, boy, you got to play a lot of catch up. But here's one that there's a lot of new faces that he's going to be able to kind of, you know, incorporate with what they had. And you mentioned Porter being one of those guys, but uh, they have a lot of young kids coming in. They have had a lot of transfers uh, through the portal come in. So I think this is a perfect time to have hired him. Uh, three weeks to a month before the spring is what it's all about because he gets to put everything in a row. As you mentioned, the recruiting for the future. Nowadays, as you know, it's you got to recruit the class that you have. You got to yeah. keep them on, you know, you got to keep them around. So, yeah. And, and that's one of those things, you know, there's, um, you know, you look at the, even in the high school level with uh, somebody like Max Edwards, who went from Booker T after a year of it being a defensive coordinator to Jackson. He's getting a lot of kids to, to come over from Booker T and not because he's recruiting them, but people who, fam, you know, got familiar with him, liked his style, liked how his, his approach was. And I think you're going to find the same thing here, uh, you know, with a coach, as you mentioned, that, um, you know, that's wherever he's been. He's been a really a player's type of coach. The guys like him. Uh, you know, he's been there, done that. So uh, I think Coach Jackson will do fine. Yeah, interesting to see how he develops guys like O.J. Frederick, Ryan Mack, mm. Damari Brown going into his second year, expecting big things from him uh, in year two. Uh, Robert Stafford, who's still uh, there sure. as well. Um, so he's got, like you said, a bunch of young guys he can develop. 
uh, into uh, some big time players. Sure. Uh, but we're we're going into spring football already. Um, <laughs> I feel like the, the year's kind of just blown by already. Yeah. Uh, spring football, Dudas get started next week, and there's some players that I've been kind of going through each position group uh, on CanesCounty.com and really just kind of seeing what battles are are going to you know happen here in spring but when you look at the offense on what this miami offense and and you see some of these young guys about to kind of step into their own here which player do you think is a are you most looking forward to to see develop here in the spring well it's the obvious cam ward you know you want to see what you know here's a guy that comes over i'm in in a position of uh, you know that was what month and a half ago Miami's scrambling around and everybody's making plans for Jakari and making plans for everybody else and then all of a sudden they uh, they get two guys and uh, the Reese Parfenberger guy Parfenbarger uh yeah. you know from U Albany by the way of Old Dominion and then now they bring in Cam Ward who is as he as you say who was target number one and, um, yeah, I think he's the guy because he's going to make the offense go. He's going to distribute the ball around. He's going to, you know, he's got a dependable slot kid already and all ACC and Restrepo to come back. I think what you're going to see a lot of in the spring is him working a lot of those uh, Jacoby Georges into it because, you know, let's face it, you and I know Jacoby's kind of a – he's a live wire, but at the same time he is – potentially you know wide receiver one right. uh so i think you want to establish that i think you gotta he wants to get his tight ends because that's been a, a real disappointment i think and you you probably agree and you and i talk yeah. about this at the games uh, going back all the way to will mallory you know target the tight ends get tight ends you know just you you know at one point with you know arroyo's been hurt and uh, uh and you know you've been really handicapped there but it's weird because this offensive coordinator and the previous offensive coordinator in Lashley they targeted their tight ends before they got here 90 times during the season right. and then all of a sudden they get here and then they forget about that and uh yeah, yeah so i think those type of things you want to work on they've got a really good and and uh uh calendar running game uh you know with a couple of new faces couple of existing guys so i think that's to me i'm gonna keep my eye on how the development of cap cam mord um trying to come up you know with a uh, you know formula where he feels comfortable and i think during the spring he'll get that yeah i'm really excited to see how, how cam ward uh you know, kind of gels with the team and uh, gels with the receivers. When you talk about the receivers, for me, it's all about that third wide receiver because we know it's going to be X at uh, slot and Jacoby George, either wide receiver one or wide receiver two, which is basically sure. changeable anyway. It's just what side that they line up on. But who's that third wide receiver? Is it going to be Isaiah Horton? Is he going to be the guy? He could and, be. And, and or is it – or the, are they going to just play three – basically slot guys, you know, and throw in a Ray Ray Joseph in there, you know, uh, right. those, those are really kind of the, the battles that I think um, that will kind of 
erupt here in spring uh, at wide receiver. And then it's the tight end, like you said. It's got to be Elijah Royo's year, right, Blue? This is it has to be. Uh, <laughs> because the, be, between you and I, if he doesn't get it this year, somebody like a Lofton will pass him by real quickly. Right. Because, right. you know, Lofton is uh, Brevin Jordan 2.0. Uh, you know, here's a guy who's very athletic, a play like five different positions, but he gets on the football field and he makes plays. And it's awfully tough when someone's making plays, uh, uh, you know, to, to keep them out of the mix. And uh, but uh, I would hope that somebody like um, uh, Arroyo would be healthy and be back on the field because he's he was, a uh, you know, I mean, you can't I mean, I. Uh, obviously Cam McCormick, but, you know, he's not a guy that you, you, you know, you're going to want to, you know, go on every down with, I mean, the Riley Williams, who's had a pretty good, uh, you know, he's, he's been another guy. So I, I would think you're a hundred percent right. Arroyo's got to get it this year. If he stays healthy, he's going to be really lethal, but they got to target him. They got to, their tight ends got to end up catching 70 balls. They really do for them to be effective all the way around. Um, you know that I mean that's what happened when um, when he was at Houston and when Lashley was at uh, you know SMU to begin with they they were coming up with formulas where their tight ends were very integral you know to the offense. Yeah, definitely, definitely want to see at least seventy targets. That would have been that would be awesome to see. Um, based on what we've seen in the last couple of years, I doubt it. <laughs> but you you yeah, never. Know. I hear you with Cam Ward in the fold and uh, Shannon Dawson with another year under his belt. Um, sure. The other, the only other position for me on offense is that fifth offensive lineman, right? It, because I think four of those guys, we, we pretty much uh, think will kind of guarantee start. Nothing's a guarantee, but you no. know, I, I do feel like Jalen Rivers, Francis Malanoa, Anis Cooper, and then the transfer that they brought in Zach Carpenter. Are sure, that's better, right. But that fifth guy, um, Matt McCoy, is he going to step up? Is it going to be Samson Okanlola, the other five-star from a couple cycles ago? Right. Or maybe maybe someone else, like a, a Kinsler. Or That's Christian. not right. Um, uh, no, you're, uh, you know, the Inez Cooper did really well uh, last year. They loved him. Uh, yeah. As you as you mentioned, uh, the Mauanoa kid, who's you know obviously he's going to be a staple there. He stays healthy. He had shoulder surgery in the offseason which would probably keep him out of a lot of the action during the spring. But with that being said, that kind of opens up, you know, things for, you know, as you said, uh, you know, for a Matt McCoy or, you know, or a Tommy Kinsler, you know, to come in. Um, obviously the, the Logan Sagapola is another guy who's worked extremely hard, uh, especially weight room. So, but the good thing about it is we're talking about quality kids. You know, this isn't, you know, where we were just like pulling things out of the air over the last couple of years. So, well, he would be good here. Well, <laughs> you already have players that are going to be, you know, and then obviously you have a really good recruiting class the last couple of years. That's going to kind of, you know, keep this pipeline going. So, yeah, but it's a good thing that we're looking for one guy and not for five <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely. Times have changed for, for sure under the crystal ball era. Let's switch over sure. to the defense really quickly here um, on defense. Uh, you, you got uh, a lot of guys who 
are returning and a couple of guys that are new as well, especially in that defensive backfield. You got to right. say John Riley, you got to Michelle Powell. Um, but uh, we talked about the corners already, but the linebackers were pretty much kind of see uh, Francisco Malanoa as well as a Wesley Besaint. And then on the yeah. deep line, um, you know, Ruben Bain is coming hit full force for his second year. Yeah. Actually, Kelly, we're expecting another uh, a good uh, – a year from him, uh, hopefully without injury this time. And then Akeem Mesador, I think people forget about him. Um, he is going to be coming back from injury. Uh, so we'll see how he plays. And then some guys from um, uh, the portal as well. we got a Marley Cook that's making noise. Um, he set the record for the squats yeah. uh, uh, for the University of Miami. And uh, Elijah Alston, also coming from Marshall, along with uh, Chevis Jackson. It's a kind of a Marshall reunion now. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So who um, for but, you? Well, um, obviously that nose tackle position, Thomas Gore, Ahmad Moten. Uh, those are two big, big, strong guys who could kind of set the tempo because, as you mentioned, uh, Reuben Bain, until he or leaves, he's going to be the staple, you know, there for them. Uh, as you mentioned, they're defensive ends, and, and, and I think by – you and I talking at this time next year, Miami will probably have the best group of edge and defensive ends in the country. They will. Yes, I mean, because look at what they went out and got. Uh, look at what Jason Taylor's been able to, you know, to bring in and then develop like Nigel Lee Kelly. And you mentioned Akeem Mesidor and, and you got guys like, uh, you know, Jaden Wayne, who, I mean, yes. if you watch that kid, especially off the, you know, off the line of scrimmage, he's got long arms. He's done tremendous, tremendous. And then all the guys that they brought in, you know, and I'm, you know, this isn't a, uh, you know, position where they're going to say, well, let's already start like Marcus Lightfoot. But those are guys that can, that can come in and blend in, you know, the Armando Blonts and, you know, guys like that who you're not going to lose a whole lot by interchanging them. I mean, you're not, you don't want to come in and start five freshmen, but, but you have those guys like the Cole McCarthy, uh, McConaughey kid from up in the Alabama area who played at Spanish Fork. And, you know, and I will, I watched him on tape and I think that kid has a, you know, yeah, and I, a chance to be really, really special. And then as we mentioned, book of, Booker Pickett Jr., who's yeah. you know, cat quick, got to obviously uh, gain some weight down the, you know, the same thing with Elias Rudolph, who didn't play last year. Uh, but uh, he he kind of – and then the guy I'm really – I think that he's going to get in the mix sometime this year and you won't get him out as the Artavius Jones kid from Bluntstown, who's yeah. – and I remember back in his ninth grade year when they were up at State and Coach uh, – uh, yeah, Coach Johns at the time told me, he goes, that kid right there, ninth grader, he says, watch him. He's going to be very special over the next few years. And not only that, he's the type of kid you bring home to dinner and everybody loves him. And, yeah. you know, that's a ringing endorsement, you know, because that means he's going to get along with everybody. He's going to be that team guy. He's going to be that locker room, you know, solid locker room guy. And people have to understand, Marcus, that, you know, especially football, uh, with what 90 guys in the locker room, if you have that stable force, uh, in there and some guy who everybody looks up to, and and um, you know, that's why, even though you know, we kind of <laughs> we kind of make fun a little bit, you know, uh, of, of somebody like um, you know, a ninth year guy, <laughs> you know, like uh, Cam McCormick, 
yeah. he's a stable force in there because everybody, you know, while they kind of kid him, you know, being, you know, his age at the same time, that's what Miami's been missing. Miami's been missing that leadership, uh, you know, in the locker room on the football field. And I think that's what turns things around when you have that. And you mentioned up front with the Jalen Rivers, somebody like that, or a carpenter who's coming in with a lot of experience, just like Matt Lee did. You know, Matt Lee was a first year guy, but hey, you know, he was uh, everybody looked up to him because he was a productive guy, stayed healthy. He was on the field all the time. So I think there's a lot more to it. A lot of these people don't understand. And then obviously we talked about the quarterback running back position, but you you made a great point. The secondary as they go in is not real stable. You know, I mean, they, I mean, from an individual talent standpoint, uh, they're good. You know, I mean, Caleb Spencer really hasn't gotten the, uh, the you know, the wrapping taken off of him yet. The Brian Ballum kid, you know, yeah. in in it, in addition to all the the young men that you mentioned and the Robert Staffords and you know players like that. So yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, the potential that they have secondary wise because you lost two key figures, yeah. you know, and Kinchins and Williams. I mean, you know, I mean they were not only producers but they were leaders. They were yes. guys that people looked up to and the younger kids said, "Oh geez, the cameras everywhere." You know, I want I want to watch him and see how he does it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely excited to see how this defensive secondary develops here in the spring. But what about right. on offense? What about on offense? Um, we talked a lot about it, the 2024 guys that we think will kind of pop here in the spring. Um, right. What about on the offense here? You got three receivers coming in, uh, you know, that will, I think, will compete for that wide receiver three, four, five spot. Yeah, definitely. Car and, and Trader definitely are two guys that have played at a high level before, and and they're kind of used to that. Uh, you know, they're they're kind of used to that. They have that that ice water in their veins type, and that's those are the kids that excel. You know, I mean, and uh, but I I think those two guys right there. You watch an Icar's film, and uh, this kid, uh, he was a big time kid. And I actually I watched uh, hit the game uh, when Moultrie. Uh, played against Milton with a uh, future quarterback uh, uh, for Miami, a kid who's doing tremendous during the summer too. But uh, yeah, I think though, I think we all know, and you, you've watched Josiah Trader enough all the way back since his pace days and then followed him for a year at central and, you know, won a state title and, uh, and, and at Chaminade the last couple of years. So I think those are two guys that could definitely break in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, excited to see them. Also excited to see the running backs develop as well, the young guys, as far as uh, Christopher Johnson Jr. and uh, right. Josiah Allen, especially with uh, Mark Fletcher, we know will not be available for spring due to the injury that he suffered during the pinstripe bowl. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's an opportunity for, for those guys to really kind of show uh, what they can do. Um, so um, you were at some you were at a the Orange Bowl uh, camp this week, so I I kind of did want to talk about that uh, this week. Uh, it's camp season, and um, you know if you could just tell me a little bit about that camp and and just how the kids really benefited from a camp such as that. Well, Marcus, this is a really good idea. Now, for 
you know, there's a lot of kids, you know, as well as I do, you watch a lot of high school games down here and you see a lot of these players and you shake your head and they go, Oh man, how come he's got not getting more interest. And a lot of these areas throughout the country, Florida included, uh, host these small college recruiting fairs where, you know, the NAIA schools and you can't knock the NAIA schools. We have the national champions sitting in West Palm beach and, and Kaiser, uh, and sometimes what happens in these small college recruiting fairs is, you know, those colleges will come down and they'll meet with the coaches and the coaches will show them film. And then, you know, if, if the coaches are interested next day, the parents come in and the kids come in, um, you know, for, you know, a sit down to talk about finances, how they can, you know, make this a reality. But what the Orange Bowl showcase has done is added another dimension. Uh, what they do is they do those sh- film things on uh, on a Friday night and a coach's social and it's nice they have some food and you know some beverages and sit down and watch film and kind of chat with all the college coaches uh, this year they had 45 different colleges come in and obviously we have plenty of them in the state of Florida with St. Thomas University and Florida Memorial and and obviously Kaiser as being NAIA schools but you also have your Stetsons and you have your uh, West Floridas who also can come to these events. And then you have a, a massive amount of division two, II, division three. And we have a lot of prep schools like MTI and Palm beach prep. And so they come and on this Saturday, what they do for six hours is these kids test, they do their combine stuff. And as soon as they're finished with their combine drills, uh, they go through their, you know, one-on-ones and break into, you know, groups and all these coaches, these college coaches are walking around, you know, with pen in hand and video and and checking these kids out because you remember this. And this is the one thing that I think by how hosting those uh, events in the past is when you finish, most of these kids finish at the end of November, middle November. Between then and now, you have almost five months. And when you have a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, the growth spurt. So when you had a 5'7", 160-pound kid, that kid could be 5'9", 190 now. And it changes the entire recruitability of the player. And that, in especially in this uh, landscape with NIL, the transfer portals, it's schools like these. Uh, like the NAIAs and the smaller schools that are benefiting in a great way because a lot of these kids, it's it's sort of like that little funnels being pushed down now. And a lot of these kids would play, you know, one double A type of football in the past or go into division two and division three because that's just how the, it's how it's being dictated. So these things are gold mines. Yeah, Brady Quinn, former NFL quarterback, uh, analyst uh, running the quarterback. You had Dave Shula, who's you know been an NFL coach with the Bengals. He played, you know, obviously you know his family's lineage. Those are two of the guys, uh, Travis Taylor, uh, former Florida Gator NFL star. They were all running. It wasn't like they were just grabbing high school coaches, but they were getting NFL experience uh, guys who, who, you know, who could evaluate, who could teach. And uh, it's, you know, everybody left. I mean, it was a free event. All you had to do was have a 2526 GPA. And they wow. opened it to juniors this year. So you get that instruction. You get all those college coaches that you would sit there for hours and hours and sending them tapes and stuff. They're all right there. You get a shirt. They feed you lunch. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing 
and every kid that I and their parent that I talked to on the way out, not one person had a bad thing to say. You know, they all, man, this was great. And, you know, a lot of these people like Ty Wise, former University of Florida, uh, Miami yeah. Center, he wow. brought five kids from Pensacola down. Wow. I mean, because he saw the need. He saw the need of being able to perform. He knows as a former player, uh, you had kids come from Jacksonville. You had a, 20 kids come from the Orlando and Tampa areas. And then obviously, you know, the local kids from Dade Broward, Palm Beach, and the Keys uh, took advantage of it. And I think this is something that people have to wake up, uh, you know, nationwide and add this element to it. And that element really, and, and I'm getting kids today who are texting me and telling me, Hey, uh, five colleges, you know, want to see, you know, more of me. And, and I got a good chance. And, and we have one kid who actually signed with uh, Allegheny college out of Pennsylvania. So, um, uh, you know, just out of this event and last year, the orange bowl awarded over $7 million of scholarship money to these kids because, you know, these are not free rides, you know, because yeah. of the fact that these colleges and, you know, the smaller schools, you know, in the Midwest and in the Northeast are often the lifeline of these school of these communities. You know, they're built around that just like a, a Florida or a Mississippi state or, you know, FSU is built around those smaller cities. Well, these division two, II, division three schools are the same way. And they're all highly educational uh, institutions that have a, a tremendous lineage of people working in the, you know, in, in the business end of things and, you know, medical. So it's a, it's a win-win. And I, uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So it kind of was a break for me from watching the seven on sevens where they try to spotlight all these four and five stars. Well, here's kids that were no stars. <laughs> awesome. Really awesome stuff. The Orange Bowl showcase. The the, the thing that kind of stood out to you to me uh, when you were talking was that the fact that juniors are able to go out there. Yeah. And, yeah. and they 45. added that this year. They added yeah. that this year. And 45 schools. I mean, come on. 45 right? colleges, I'm telling you. And uh, you know, and, the, and 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 if you know anything about the smaller colleges, having is some of those real good Midwest D2s like Anderson and, and, and Heidelberg and schools like that. Uh, those are powers, you know, like, uh, you know, Olivet and, and, and schools like that. If you look them up, you'll see. And then even a lot now in the Super Bowl, I try to challenge these kids. Look at, listen to the starting lineups of some of these games and you'll see that not everybody's FSU and Ohio state and USC and Miami, but you right. got a lot of South Carolina state, a little, a lot of MEAC schools. You got yeah. a lot of HBCU schools and yeah. that's Juco's why it's Juco's too. But, but that's what I'm saying. The gravit there's a gravitation uh, towards HBCU now with the success of Florida A&M and Howard right. and schools like that. It, when I was growing up, that's the way it was. That's Southern Grambling schools like that were huge uh, back then, and I think that now, especially with Will, what Willie Simmons did at uh, Florida A and M before leaving for Duke, and uh, I think those programs now people are seeing that they're recruiting everybody, not just the black kids, but there's a lot of white kids going to a lot of these schools because yeah. of the fact that it's great football and it's great exposure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Blue, I mean, we, we talked about, you know, obviously the Orange Bowl Showcase who features, you know, 
players that are under the radar, but right. what players, because we got the UA camp coming up this weekend. We also have uh, rivals camp coming up um, in about a month. What are the players since of course, this is a university of Miami uh, podcast uh, that Miami are like must get for South Florida for the 2025 class for you. Well, yeah, well, we, you and I mentioned a bunch of those kids, you know, I mean, we, we talked about, uh, you know, a lot of the players from down this way and, and, uh, you, you know, the, the Josh Moores and the, uh, Courtney, uh, and then the Mills is and Cortez guys Mills, like yeah. that who, right. Uh, who Cortez Mills, who are, who are guys that a lot of these people, uh, you know, that are covering, coveting nationally. And that's one of the things that we've, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to watch a lot of these guys over the last few years. Uh, you know, Ezekiel Marceline, who's another in the lineage of great Miami central players. And yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of kids. I mean, I think you brought, brought one up before uh, a kid. It's at uh, Chris Ewald, who was, uh, yeah. you know, who was a Michigan, Michigan uh, commit and now he's backed off and and uh, those are the type of guys I think that uh, you know that you look at and and, and Miami uh, definitely will be in on them and and not just down here I mean statewide guys I mean because if you look a lot of these kids are are now making commitments and um, uh, but I mean you look at any of these schools and, and whether it be the Chaminades or or uh, St. Thomas's who, you know, has another good group of kids coming through and um, you know, the centrals and the Northwest central just brought in three kids who were national rated kids uh, from LaSalle Academy in Rhode Island. And oh, another wow. kid, a linebacker who was from Mobile Christian. And uh, uh, those things, those are what happens down here, you know, in South Florida, you gravitate. a lot of these people want to gravitate to this area because of the fact that there's so much talent, yeah. uh, you know, and then also you look at the, ne you know, next, next wave of talent with Malachi, Tony, who's committed to Miami and also Jacob Brady, um, or Jabari Brady, who Jabari, is another yeah. guy. So yeah. The, the, another one, 26. Yeah. Yeah. The beat goes on. I mean, you know, I mean, you, you have so much talent, uh, you know, coming up with a lot of these kids and, you know, and, and like you said, with the Under Armour coming up and, you know, some of these other events that you see seven on sevens, you're seeing a ton of, uh, you know, talent through these seven on seven events. So, yeah, I, I uh, you know, there's so many. And as we, you know, we join you, uh, you know, during the spring and stuff, we'll have a, a, a listing of kids that, uh, you know, that become more of a reality right now. There, there's a lot of offers for 25 and 26 and kids are committing, but as we've seen, uh, they could decommit as, as easily. And especially with the portal and, 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 and the NIL deals, a lot of these kids don't, you know, they don't stick. Yeah. And uh, because of the, I mean, because all of a sudden somebody's going to offer, X amount of dollars, which is, you know, another topic, <laughs> which I'm not, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not just being an OG and it's not being old school. It's just being the reality of things the way they are now. It's uh, and you, I think what you're going to see is a lot of the older college coaches go to the NFL. Charlie Partridge uh, started the exodus. You saw uh, not that he's old, but uh, coach a die go into the NFL 
it's an easier deal because of the fact that now, instead of back in the day when you were recruiting these kids, you figured, well, we'd have them at least for three years. You're lucky to keep them anymore. And, uh, and I think that that's frustrating for a lot of these older coaches, you know, who spend 16 months trying to recruit a kid. He comes and then the next year he leaves. Yeah, we we saw this uh, with the great Nick Saban uh, going. Yeah, that's why he left (laughs) college game. So yeah, um, it's it's gonna continue, and um, it's kind of trickled down to the high school gridiron as well as far as transferring and right maybe nil in the future. So um, one kid I do I do want to say that is a must get for Miami for me is Randy Otterica. I think that love him, love him. Miami has to kind of stay on this kid and 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 I, to connect to continue that pipeline of defensive ends now from Miami Central, the powerhouse on 95th Street. So yeah, I yeah, no, I agree. On well, he's one. still under the radar too for yeah. many. Many yeah. just don't, you know, they don't equate him as being a, a true power five stud, but the kid watches film. You'll see he's a lead. He's turned into a pretty good leader, but you're 100% right. You got to keep, you know, you're never going to get all the local kids. I mean, in that, even when Miami was beating everybody senseless, they didn't get all the local kids. Marvin Jones would leave. Steve Hutchinson would leave. Isaac Bruce would leave. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. You can't get everybody. But Miami's got to, you know, and I think they've done pretty well over the last couple of years, as you mentioned, by getting a Bane, by getting a Blunt, you know, by, by getting a Ray Ray. Uh, you know, guys that everybody else wanted. You know, there was a time when Miami would fight, you know, for guys who FAU wanted or FIU wanted. But now they're stealing guys like Scott away from, you know, Ohio State. And they're taking kids from Alabama and they're taking kids that FSU and Florida wanted. So, right. yeah, that's all they have to do now, Marcus, is uh, maintain that. And the only way you maintain that is by winning. And uh, obviously, as we get get closer to the season you and i'll break down you know the the team you know who they have on the schedule but uh you know from afar um i think nine and ten wins is not far-fetched so and and that will keep this pipeline going absolutely you know keep us happy at the games yeah absolutely (laughs) winning cures everything larry bustein ladies and gentlemen kind enough to join me on a blue monday uh thanks again for joining me on the storm tracker podcast once again larry anytime marcus thank you and that's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Until the next episode.